Hi, I'm Shiv. And I'm Chitra. We are the co-hosts of this show, Software People Stories. We're happy to bring you stories of people associated with software as makers or consumers. In every episode, we talk to people on their own personal and professional journeys, their interests and approach to work and life in a free-flowing conversational format. We hope that you will be able to draw your inspiration from their experiences and insights. These podcasts are made possible by PM Power Consulting, who have helped individuals, teams, and organizations on their delivery excellence journeys. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Software People Stories. This is a conversation I really look forward to with my colleague from PM Power, Vishveshwar Hegde. Vishu, as he is known to many of us, has explored topics around business agility and the flow of work extensively and shares approaches and experiences of coaching large organizations through multi-year transformations. He delves into one of his favorite topics on points of discontinuity in our lives, middle life in particular, and work challenges, and how to take a leap of faith to get ourselves unstuck. And finally, what are four types of S-curves that organizations go through from startup to scale up? I invite you to listen to this insightful conversation. So good morning, Vishu, and uh, welcome back as a guest to the Software People Stories. I'm sure many people would have heard you speaking as a guest very early on, back in the time when this was called the Software Lifecycle Stories. We actually renamed it to Software People Stories because we understood that people were telling their stories about how they came into the software industry and so on. Wonderful to have you back as a guest, as a fellow PM Powerian. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation in terms of you sharing in depth a couple of things which I have noticed you speak a lot about and very passionately. And I hope our listeners will have something to take away from it. So very warm welcome to you, Vishu. Thanks, Chitra. Very happy to be back again. (laughs) I have seen you talking a lot about how to deliver value to customers and what is it that organizations should be focusing on. And one phrase that you use often or try to get people to think about, especially when you're engaging in dialogue with, you know, talking to organizations about how to solve their business problems or how to add more meaning for customers, you talk a lot about flow. Uh, So could you share your thoughts on what is this flow about Uh, You've mentioned something about flow metrics. What are they? And overall, what is it that organizations should be looking at when they look at flow? Okay. Uh, This uh, flow really comes from the lean thinking, uh, which is really looking at end-to-end from a customer point of view. In fact, you can look at it as uh, the flow in terms of Uh, two steps removed from what we are doing. For example, look at customer's customer and look at supplier's supplier. Uh, Then we'll be able to see a much larger connect 
and an end to end flow that will be a real value chain uh, normally what happens is we tend to focus on very local my part of the work uh, as an individual as a team or as a function or a business unit in the organization but really from a customer perspective work flows from a supplier suppliers to customers customers the whole value chain uh the more we are able to see that then we'll be able to even appreciate whatever small things we are doing in that whole value chain we'll be able to do it in the context of adding value to that uh you know this story of uh, building temple versus laying bricks i don't know whether you heard of that story <laughs> uh vaguely Maybe. heard of it but uh, would yeah. be nice if you can narrate it you know it's a small story like uh, there was a construction site and uh, two people were working and a passer by came and asked what are you doing one of them said uh, i'm laying bricks and the other said i'm building a temple in fact both of them are doing the same work or similar work uh, this is a big difference one person is not able to connect to the big picture and obviously probably he feels i'm doing some drudgery work whereas the other person is connected to the larger vision and even though he's doing doing a small part of that feels maybe more motivated connects to the uh, big vision and then he understands the nuances of doing certain beyond the stated requirements because the person can align to the vision much better so i would say flow is similar to that uh, when we have the big picture of end to end value stream uh, we can really do the right things in the right context uh, in uh, typically organizations uh, see organizations are designed vertically to manage scale or manage people manage the work into chunks but real work flows horizontally from a customer point of view so this flow is really to connect that connect that dots more horizontally build more collaboration and uh, flow metrics is a measure of that actually in flow metrics we tend to look at one is from customer point of view which is is called say lead time that means when is that customer wanted something and when did the customer really got that so that's kind of a lead time the other one is called cycle time which is kind of a internal view that means how much time are we taking to accomplish something which is part of our uh, scope of work for example people say i am working on a story i started working on a story and then i have a done criteria and i'll say i completed it the moment it's taken up till it's done is cycle time so it's kind of an internal view of how long are we taking lead time would be moment a customer uh, story is uh, created in a backlog that means customers need is captured till it is done and delivered to customer is a lead time then uh, another useful metric in the flow metrics is called throughput so throughput is more like a what is the uh, amount of flow at a you know given period for example weekly how many stories are we delivering it's something like a you know how much water is flowing in a pipe you know it's a quantity so that's kind of a throughput 
Then another useful metric is work in progress. Really the managing the work in progress really gives or improves the throughput. So it's like we'll be able to see where are the bottlenecks. So when you see this flow end to end, it may be flowing through multiple functions or multiple business units. We can see it's like a plumbing, you know, if there are pipes connected with different sizes, the throughput will be as big as the smallest pipe. So when we connect this and see the full picture, we'll be able to see where are these you know, bottlenecks. So work in progress is a very useful thing to look at that. And then minimizing that work in flow actually improves the throughput delivered to customer. So these are some of the useful metrics in a flow context. Very elegantly put, Vishu. Thank you. In fact, one thing that I've often struggled with is how do you get people to see flow in the manner that you just described? Because people, is, like you said, are so used to mm. working vertically and mm. more often than not, perhaps without intending to do so, uh, land mm. up thinking that, hey, my part of the work is complete and now I am handing it over to somebody else. And mm. if there are any bottlenecks, either I really don't know what to do about it or I mm. may not even be seeing it that way. So how can we as coaches or people who bring about this awareness in mm. the organizations that we work with, how is it mm. that we can get them to rally around or come together to see things in a flow? I think very, very challenging part. <laughs> because it's, it's easier said than done, especially if the organization is larger and existing for many years, certain culture and way of working, the structures would have got settled in. So that change is a bigger challenge. Uh, if I look at to really achieve this flow, there are multiple dimensions. I would always start with the mindset because if I look at agility, for example, it really starts at in the mind then it manifests outside. Similar thing in everything actually. It, it has to manifest in the mind first, then can come out. That means it has to be in the thought processes, the culture aspects. So I'll come to that in a while. Then the another very big part which improves or impedes the flow is actually structure. For example, uh, we have still a very large industrial era influence in terms of how we design organizations. Uh, typically organizations are, as I said, the vertically designed. They inhibit a lot of this flow because they create boundaries and walls and then people are aligned by vertical goals rather than the horizontal end-to-end -end flow based goals. That's a big impediment. This also comes to in terms of HR systems. What people are you know, rewarded on. Normally, if they are rewarded on individual performance or uh, their own team performance, team is slightly better than so individual. But even then, when you look at the flow, it will be multiple teams coming together. You'll have to do that. So there are multiple things in an organization context that needs to be touched upon. Of course, then there are processes and tools which also can make or break. For example, if the processes are more aligned for the flow, then it enables that. Similarly, tools, if different parts of this organization use different tools, then it again breaks. So we need to touch multiple pieces. But if I have to look at how to enable this, this has to be leadership-led. 
because teams at the bottom cannot do it by themselves. I would say it has to start with then this vision that we need to have this flow uh, from a customer point of view. Then it should translate into kind of strategies. That means if I have to change from my current state to moving into this state, it's a kind of a change requiring multiple years maybe. So that means strategy should be steady enough to bring about this change because it's not an overnight effort. Then the structural changes will be required. Uh, we see now many large enterprises moving from IT agility to business agility, where they are very tightly bringing the business and IT combined, especially like in a, like Spotify model. Uh, one of the key highlights in that I would say is actually breaking down this hierarchical organization into more network organization. You know, various tribes collaborating to look from an end customer value rather than information flowing vertically up and then coming down to another part of the organization. Now it's more network. It actually, people are more autonomous and they reach out and collaborate and connect so that these vertical movements are reduced and more decisions happen through these network schemes. I think that's a very good move in terms of, uh, because that's one of the very big barriers, uh, the structures. Then bringing cross-functional teams because then the teams will be more aligned for a common goal from a customer value rather than I maximize my local you know, department's performance. Uh, so it's more like a systems thinking. So instead of local optimization, I really look from my system maximization. Of course, then rest of the things will flow. So how do we then process for example, from some sales and marketing to say a product development to a deployment. Again, depending on type of the organization, if there are manufacturing or if it's a financial services, whatever may be that. Then processes need to be stitched where people have to see this, what we call as the common elephant. Uh, so we do certain exercises called seeing the full elephant. Uh, what happens is different functions look at part of the problem. And just like that, you know, the blind men and uh, elephant story, right? Uh, yes. People touch different parts of the elephant and describe. Somebody says leg, touches leg and says a pillar and somebody touches trunk and says a snake or whatever. Very similar phenomena happens in large organization because it's very difficult for everybody to see the full picture of the customer's you know, need or a problem. So the seeing the full elephant exercise actually brings such cross-functional leaders together and uh, helps them to see the full picture. So it's kind of an, you know, it takes a, a day of workshop to, uh, for them to kind of go through that and really see that mutually. Uh, that's really powerful because we have seen that that builds a lot of empathy because now people can realize, oh, now I understand why the other department behaves like this or expects like this. That actually builds the mindset, what I talked about, you know, the flow mindset. Now I see the whole thing. That is another thing which we found very useful. Uh, this is very useful tool for coaches to bring those people together and that teaches the mindset, that teaches the process, 
and then people take up action items which are holistic rather than just local optimization uh, in fact uh, without that we have seen people tend to do local optimization which creates actually system dysfunction you know this is a one, one of the systems thinking paradigms actually it's like uh, if you see in bangalore traffic people tend to you know maximize as long as i can go through this i'm fine so they will come on the right side of the road block the you know create de- deadlocks so that's really a local optimization and leading to system dysfunction similar thing could happen many times unknowingly because people don't know that i'm trying to maximize my department's goal but it's actually hindering the end to end flow so these are some of the things i have come across which i found very useful in building a flow i really like the way you alluded to bangalore city traffic example a lot of our listeners will will definitely resonate with that at least the ones who are listening in bangalore and perhaps many other large cities in the yeah. world in fact uh, you know you refer to the first thing as developing the right mindset what is it that you have seen work for you when you work with uh, individuals as well as team mm. causing that uh, beginning to cause a small shift in their mindset mm. to mm-hmm. let's say perhaps enable a better flow of work within themselves and for mm. the organization actually this topic is very favorite for me you <laughs> know <laughs> uh, yeah, always i think of everything uh, as mindset first then you know how can be how can we manifest it in outside uh, we call it managing outside by mastering inside you know the more we are able to deal within we can actually do outside much better so i see this as a uh, kind of a sandwich approach in an organization context top down and bottom up uh, the mindset change and the culture change aspects uh, if i say bottom up it acts at a team level how do i bring mindset change in individuals if i look at this kind of a flow or a lean or a agility kind of a culture uh what is needed in uh, individuals is lot more of the emotional intelligence part uh normally if i look at in an it or a software organization uh, we get lot of high iq people who are brilliant and technologically very very strong but what happens is they will be very individualistic they will have challenges in terms of collaborating accepting some others idea and uh, helping somebody and you know collaborating rather than competing so when you look at this flow or agility what is required is lot more of the diverse set of ideas and people coming together and working together uh, in fact if you are to create innovation for customers what is needed is lot more diversity if there is lot of homogeneity in the team we can't expect any great innovation if there has to be diversity then they need emotional intelligence otherwise there will be conflicts they will fight uh, i would see the creating the need for and awareness of emotional intelligence uh, is a very big thing in the team uh, again this is because our education system is highly iq oriented in fact we almost filter out iq people and when you get high caliber people into the organizations typically they are very individual contributors but as an agile team we expect them to be a teamwork you know high collaboration communication so we need to develop the emotional intelligence parts in them this is the one bottom up part now 
more important part in organization culture and mindset is top down because that is actually leadership led and there is certain amount of role modeling happens in the organization where knowingly or unknowingly people look up to the leaders and they you know emulate similar behaviors so we always actually start with this from the leadership team so we call it as effective agile leadership so we have kind of a agile leadership canvas which has multiple dimensions to train and coach the leadership teams again this is a difficult in the transformation journey because normally when the uh, organizations engages as coaches they tend to think that we are all fine go and fix the teams and make them agile uh, we say that no 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 50% is agile transformation it is at a leader i mean team level but the major 50% is at leadership level that's very subtle whereas at a leader, team level it's little bit more concrete in terms of practices if you look at all the scrum and ceremonies and artifacts and metrics they are a lot more visible and easy to grasp and easy to train people and whereas this mindset and culture part are subtle which is not so much visible uh, that's why it becomes a challenge it's like you know the iceberg normally we take that metaphor 10% of the iceberg is visible but 90% is submerged in the water not so visible but what really moves the iceberg is not the visible wind but the not so visible undercurrents very similar way it's these mindset and cultures and behaviors which are very subtle but they are the real make or break for agility or the flow so from top down uh, we conduct leadership workshops covering this uh, leadership canvas and then coach them again this coaching leadership team is lot more challenging than coaching teams because leaders don't want to be coached <laughs> they think they know all uh, and they have been successful and that's why they are there in fact one of the phrases i have heard is that high performers need more coaching there's a misconception that people think that coaching is needed for who is not performing but it's the other way actually high performers need more coaching because otherwise they will hit the dead end faster actually this is an another topic maybe which which we call as s curves that means they stagnate very quickly because they they are running very fast and that's a that's a very good segue into our next part of the conversation which is <laughs> which is s curves anyway in fact i just wanted to add that perhaps this uh, stagnation as well as the popular perception perhaps that leadership uh. high performers not leadership but yes. high performers yes. really don't need coaching perhaps is mm. also an outcome of uh, the focus on our educational system on iq versus eq isn't mm. it yes 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 absolutely in, in fact in the wuka world which is we say volatile you know uncertain complex ambiguous that means highly dynamic world you know marshall's goldsmith's book what brought you here won't take you there it is so true so leaders who have been successful today may not be able to perform tomorrow because things are very dynamic we tend to repeat what what brought us here so that means they need to be lot more open and receptive and learnable uh, 
uh, adaptable to new things and look for and seek uh, inputs rather than I know it, I don't need any other input kind of a attitude. So one of the things we do in workshops is to break that first actually. And there are interesting games actually, which actually re reflects and opens them up. So saying that, yes, I think, you know, I should be more open. Then other things are become little easy to say, provide the inputs. Uh, <laughs> so you're talking about the S curves. Uh, yes. What I have seen is, this is not a one-time journey. It is this uh, kind of a, a sequence of, or you can say cycles. Uh, personally, I have gone through my own S-curves in my career. Uh, it's almost like I start with something. I'm a learner, no wise, and then I become very good at that. It's like the rising of the S-curve. And uh, over a period, I start doing more of the same, and then uh, I start stagnating. And uh, I've seen if I continue to do more of the same, then I start drooping down in my performance, in my interest, in my ability to learn new things in that. Uh, that's a dangerous zone, actually. So before I stagnate, actually, I should start my next S-curve. The more I stay on my previous S-curve for longer time, harder it is to pull me up from that for the next S-curve <laughs> because it droops down much more. Uh, so I have gone through this. So shifting that S-curve is a very scary thing, you know. It's like uh, in a circus, I have to leave this swing and catch the other swing. So it's almost like this. I have been very good at something. I have to stop that almost and pick up something new, which I am very no-wise now. I, I, it looks like I am actually coming down. But uh, I have seen that is the one which takes me to the next orbit. Uh, so I call this as transitioning the S-curves. Uh, so transitioning these S-curves are actually points of discontinuity. Uh, I have seen people need a lot of coaching there uh, because it's the times of uncertainty, ambiguity, and uh, kind of you know, fear or insecurity. I have taken coaching from others actually in such junctions. And uh, I see this kind of magnified or it strikes uh, when, as we are doing coaching to large number of managers. So people typically at the middle level, I have seen that I call this as challenges of the middle, um, say around the 35 to 45 years of kind of range uh, in, in our industry. They are struggling uh, even in their life at the middle zone. That means they have kind of aging parents, uh, young children, uh, juggling with all those things. And uh, also they will be going through biological changes, you know, the hormonal changes, the slowing down. Uh, so in our coaching, even though we start more on the professional side, invariably it shifts to the personal side because we can't separate those two. And I have seen people need maximum help there. And uh, people tend to not talk about that because they feel it's kind of a, it's private to them or they feel uh, not comfortable to share. They think that it's only unique to them. But uh, when I sense that, I actually share my own journeys. And uh, I talk about that. I have seen this with so many managers. 
I then noticed that almost that 50% burden reduces <laughs> because they think it's, it's only they are struggling actually. And yeah. uh, this challenge of the middle, another point I have seen this challenge of the middle is in the organization, they're also in the middle. There are senior bosses above them, the teams below them, and the middle management is really stressed with the matrix organizations most of the time. That means they have to work with many other people across different kind of functions or departments who don't report to them, but they have to get the work done. So there will be shared accountability, shared responsibility, uh, which is always kind of a conflicting zone. So I see people struggling in this zone of middle. A lot of times they'll stagnate there because they're not guided properly. So when we talk about this transitioning the S-curve, I have seen people get kind of liberated and they will actually make a jump to the some other role, some other new work. I feel very gratifying. It's very gratifying for me to look at people uh, make that transitions. Really interesting, Pishu. Personally, I think I have experienced as well as seen others go through a lot of these feelings of being stuck. And somehow I also see it manifesting even at an organization level, especially Mm. having worked in product companies, um, Mm. you either ride on the success of uh, how you have developed products so far and the success of the product itself. But like Mm. you said, what gets you here can't take you further. And Mm. very often either product companies are late catching up with competition It's some sort of a reverse function where customers are not ready to shift as quickly. But uh, in Mm. a world where technology is changing so rapidly, newer, smaller companies are uh, creating uh, different products, perhaps, uh, you know, things that are easily scalable, very easily deployable and so on. And the older companies are suddenly finding themselves playing catch up and that they need to impact their margins, their way of doing business, because the whole model of business is shifting. Suddenly they are stuck. So Mm. do you have any things that you can share that companies can also do differently? Absolutely. In fact, uh, just like I see this as individuals going through the S-curves, I see even organizations go through the S-curves. And if they don't go through, actually, they will not exist. (laughs) They have to sail through the S-curves. In large enterprises, this pattern uh, is a little harder to see. It exists in multiple S-curves, actually. But whereas we see this very clearly in, say, startups. So we do like startup to scale up uh, consulting for many organizations. Typically, startups start with some brilliant idea. Uh, founder or co-founders have a great you know technical idea and they implement it and they see some you know product or uh, value to customer initially uh, and soon the they will be challenged to scale it up uh, either in terms of the product features or uh, larger markets or different kinds of customer segments then suddenly it's a different problem so it's a new s curve actually And many times we see this. The first S-curve in startups is very individual-centric. Some brilliant people will actually, heroes, will create. Moment the next S-curve comes, it's a different characteristics about to deal with scale, deal with, you know, the size and reach. 
we needed different kinds of people operationally challenging so many times the people who are very successful in first s curve will not be able to do it in the second s curve so if the founders and co-founders are not aware of this they will tend to more of do more of the same what they did in the first s curve and actually they will stagnate and start dropping down it uh, the second s curve we call it as more of a competency centric that means it's not good enough to have one or two individual brilliant people you need to multiply them we need we need to use good people to create more good people so it's more of a people development and competency development kind of a focus uh, then we see it's not good enough to be just people based only because the next s curve is even more larger scale which needs to be then more system based people will come and go people will move around but things should go on that really happens if you have built up kind of a systems in the organization uh, so third s curve we see it more like a system centric that requires again a different kinds of people the fourth s curve we see is more of a fractal that means now i have become big enough i can actually multiply myself into sub units which can operate autonomously otherwise i tend to remain monolithic and try to deal with the scale it won't scale enough so fractals is is a, another big challenge because now i have to let go and the sub units allow them to operate with their own uh, independence and uh, driving the whole thing so we see something like this as a startup to scale up uh, you know the s curves mo- moving up very very interesting and uh, very beautifully put vishu in fact uh, i certainly see a book in the making <laughs> and i hope uh, you have uncovered an author within you this has been an amazing conversation in fact i have noted several further topics of conversation which uh, i'm sure a lot of our audience would love to hear and having a pm parian share it Uh, i think will be very very interesting and something that people can look forward to thank you so much for your time today are there any last uh, messages that you would like to leave our listeners with yes yes in fact this uh, these two topics were very interesting uh, i didn't know how you picked up these two flow and s curves <laughs> because they are very related as well ultimately even this s curve is to actually enhance the flow uh, if people are getting stuck organizations are getting stuck actually it's hindering the flow and value delivery to customers so very interesting uh, i like the conversations and uh, i like bringing these two topics together <laughs> as you brought it up and thanks for the opportunity for this conversation thank you vishu the pleasure is all mine and certainly looking forward to more conversations thank you so much thank you If you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that please get in touch with us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com that is podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com 
please rate this show on Podchaser, Stitcher, iTunes, or any other podcast client that you find us on. Please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show, do write to us at this email address, podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.